Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and or good night, and welcome to the 13th episode of Courageous Theology. My name is Drew Templin, and I am your Life in the Dream house host, taking you on a journey of mind-bending, fun-filled, theology-laden listening while you relax, commute, or work around the house. On today's episode, we are going to talk about life and death, and even more specifically than that, the mottos of Memento Mori and Memento Vivra. Memento Mori is a phrase many of us are probably already aware of, and it's the idea that we should keep in the forefront of our minds to remember that we are going to die. You might want to say that is a morbid idea, and it probably is, but actually it's probably even more so a bit of the point. We have really disconnected ourselves from death over the last several centuries, and a lot of this is in thanks in part to modern medicine, but some is just a vast change and difference on how we treat our elderly. Barely a century ago, it wouldn't have been entirely uncommon for old grandma and grandpa to reach retirement age and take over the spare bedroom in mom and pop's house. Not only should, or would, I guess, kids end up witnessing the aging process secondhand, they would often end up being present when grandma or grandpa bit the dust. Death really was just as much a part of life and living as, well, living. Now, though we have nursing homes for Grandpa to go into when he starts to get a little senile and doesn't always get to the bathroom quick enough, sometimes death will come for us when we least expect it. A car crash, an accident at work, a heart attack in the middle of making coffee, a stray bullet, and... The list really does go on into infinity, simply because, as a show on Spike TV always said, there are a thousand ways to die. It would be great to think that we will all exit this world at a ripe old age, peacefully in our sleep, and hopefully surrounded by family and friends. It would be really great if babies weren't stillborn, if moms didn't die during childbirth, 12-year-olds didn't drown in pools, teenagers didn't get into fatal car accidents on prom nights, new fathers didn't have an aneurysm at work, and newlyweds weren't murdered on their honeymoons. Unfortunately, all of those things have and will occur again in the future. And that isn't to try and put a damper on life. All of that morbid listing only highlights the inevitable for us, that we are going to die. One day, and probably sooner than we would like to think, we will draw our last breaths, our hearts will cease to beat, and we will enter into one of two sides of eternity. That is the point of a memento mori, to remember that our fleshly bodies are not immortal. One day we are going to die, and as the Monty Python dead parrot sketch says, we will exit our mortal coil, we will be no more, and we will be an ex-parrot, or I guess ex-human, rather, but you get the idea. It is important for us to remember that we must die, ultimately because that should and will affect how we live our lives. If we live as if we have a thousand tomorrows, we will keep putting things off and begin to truly waste the time we've been given on this earth. However, if we decide instead to live with the truth of Job 14.5 in mind, where Job says, a man's days are numbered, you know the number of his months, he cannot live longer than the time you have set, then we will actually begin to live as if each day is a precious gift from God meant to be used for his glory and the good of ourselves and others. 
one of my favorite songs is by the band Need to Breathe called Wasteland. In the opening lines of the song, Bear sings, I'm the first one in line to die when the Calvary comes. Yeah, it feels like the great divide has already come. Yeah, I'm wasting my way through days, losing youth along the way. Oh, if God is on my side, who can be against me? I know far too often I have felt what is being described in this song. Think back to your childhood and remember what it was like to live in anticipation of something. And whether it was a summer vacation from school or school starting back up if you were a nerd like me, Christmas or a graduation, just really whatever it was, we all had anticipation for something at any given time in our childhood. Do you remember how long and drawn out days seemed waiting for whatever it was to come? Now, if you're an adult, think of that same anticipation you have for things now, whether it's marriage or a new job or, I guess, still even Christmas. How quickly do the days seem to pass by? I mean, they seem to go pretty fast now, right? What used to feel like months when we were younger now flies by in what feels like a day. And ultimately, and unfortunately, time isn't going to slow down for us. Now granted, I'm only 31 years old, and I don't have all the experience, say, a 50 or 70 or 90 year old would, but I know how fast days seem to fly by for me at 31. I mean, really, before I know it, I'll be turning 32 and be thinking about how quickly the year passed from being 31. A single year really is a blimp in the entire scheme and scope of all of time. Even more so, a single year is a blip in the course of our lifetimes. Again, this isn't meant to be incredibly morbid, just to point us to the reality that our time on Earth is fleeting. Because I suffer from severe anxiety and a panic disorder, I often tend to think about death. Like, a lot. Typically, it's in the form of me dying from a heart attack or some illness that should have been prevented from better lifestyle or a choice I could have made differently. More recently, I have even started to become anxious while driving, almost assured that I'm going to have some sort of terrible accident and end up decapitated or otherwise maimed or disabled. The unfortunate truth is, in those times when I'm feeling anxious or begin to have a panic attack, I'm not living with memento mori in mind. Of course, I don't particularly want to die, and I don't really think anyone really wants to die, even the people who commit suicide. There was a, a song by Loretta Lynn and covered by David Crowder called Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven. I think that is a very true statement in some regard. Given the option between heaven and hell, or even just plain non-existence and heaven or hell, people will most likely choose heaven. Of course, not all those who want to go to heaven will actually be there, but that is a different topic for a different episode. And while that first aspect of the song's title is true, the everybody wants to go to heaven, it's the lyric that comes after that states, but nobody wants to die, that is probably even more true. While most people want to go to heaven, probably 99.9999999% of the population would claim to not want to die. While some could point to Paul in Philippians 1.23 where he says, I desire to depart, I desire to depart and be with Christ, 
saying that he would have a desire to die, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that is what Paul meant. Of course, Paul was saying that he would rather die and be with Christ, but I'm sure that if Paul had the option between not dying and still being with Christ, he would, well, I guess, choose the not dying option. It's possibly the fear of the unknown that really leads us to the dread of death. What will it feel like, and what is it like to experience it? In the very second of our death, what happens? Are we immediately ushered into God's presence? I mean, I have a theory about death that is tied to my eschatological belief, but all that theory is is really a thought. I don't know for sure. I believe my theory is most likely correct given biblical evidence, but again, it's a theory. It all comes down to the unknown. What will that moment of death be like? What will we feel, think, smell, hear, or see? My favorite quote from the entirety of the Lord of the Rings trilogy is an exchange between Gandalf and Pippin in The Return of the King. Minas Tirith is getting ready to be overrun, and death seems imminent. Pippin turns to Gandalf and says, I didn't think it would end this way. To which Gandalf replies, End? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back, and all turns to silver glass, and then you see it. Pippin asks, what? Gandalf, see what? White shores, and beyond, a far green country under a swift sunrise, Gandalf replies. Well, that isn't so bad, Pippin then says. In the same way, we need not to look to death with fear. It is simply another path of our journey, and it's one that ultimately we all must take. Before we go any further, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. What's up, everybody? I know you've been looking for something fresh, something new. Well, your search is over because you found the bar. That's right. Biblical and Reformed. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode, whether it's me and my crew talking about theology, current events, or even a great interview. You can find us at any podcast or just search Biblical and Reformed. Welcome to the bar. So after looking at and discussing Memento Mori, it really kind of begs the question, if we're supposed to remember that we're going to die, what should we do in the meantime? And that's going to lead us into looking at the motto, Memento Vivir, a phrase we are most likely not all that familiar with. Memento Vivir simply translates into remember to live. That not only must we remember that we're going to die one day, but that between now and then we must remember to actually live our lives. This concept should help kill our fear of death to some measure. If we're remembering to live, then when that final moment of our life comes, we can have no regrets, no thing left undone, no aspect of life left untasted or unexperienced. And that isn't to say that you need to go out and start snorting cocaine or hitting the strip club or go out and murder someone. Those quote-unquote thrills of life can most definitely be left untasted. 
A desire to live life is no excuse in any form or fashion to sin. But we must remember to live. This means not to be passive about life, to not merely be observers of what life has to offer. We aren't meant to sit on the sidelines and watch the metaphorical game be played out. We are to be active participants. God hasn't created us to just aimlessly wander through life without meaning, purpose, or direction. Now, some of us try to search out that meaning or purpose in fleeting, ungodly things, while others don't even bother to try to embrace any meaning or purpose at all. Too many of us, even in Christian circles, have adopted a sort of nihilistic approach to life, thinking everything is completely and utterly meaningless. All joy, pain, suffering, euphoria, it's all meaningless. Frankly, that's a load of BS. Everything we can and do experience in life is completely and totally meaningful. Every sunrise, every skin knee, every kiss, every laugh, every broken bone, every breath, every sunset, and yes, even our deaths are completely meaningful in the scope of eternity. Why? Because God has preordained it. Every part of life is played out according to his sovereign will and plan. And some may think that is unfair or harsh considering the hardships many of us face in life. But to that I ask, who are you, O man, to question God? Given that each life has purpose and meaning, it should stay within the forefront of our minds to remember to live. In John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life, Piper writes, Desire that your life counts for something great. Long for your life to have eternal significance. Want this. Don't coast through life without a passion. Desires and wants in life aren't bad things, but misplaced desires are damaging to the soul. We should strive for our lives to have eternal significance, for our footprint in this world to count for something great, to have purpose and meaning and lasting impression. We are all far too satisfied with mediocrity that many of us will reach the end of our lives wondering what we actually accomplished. I really don't know about you, but I mean, I, I don't know if our life flashes before our eyes before we die. Some people seem to believe it does, and some scientists have determined that this could be all due to hallucinations we see as we're dying, due to a lack of oxygen reaching our brains, but whatever, whatever and whether the life flashing before our eyes moment before death is fact or fiction, the idea is helpful for this illustration, so, I mean, yeah, let's just roll with it. When your life flashes before your eyes, do you want to be bored or entertained? Is that flashing of life going to be of you sitting on your butt playing video games or staring blankly at social media feeds? Or is what will flash before your eyes be memories of you spending time with your spouse or children? Will it be of you going on adventures, learning new skills, enjoying hobbies, spending time with friends, and hopefully telling people about Christ? And Piper goes on to write in Don't Waste Your Life, Life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross, cherish it for the treasure that it is, and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort of every pain. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified Christ, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in this world. For us as believers in Christ, our, our lives are truly wasted 
when we do not live in light of the gospel. If the truth about Jesus does not shape and form who we are and how we live, then I don't know what we're doing. The gospel gives us deeper and fuller meaning and purpose beyond what we could ever have hoped or achieved on our own. So let's not waste that. So in light of everything, remember that you will one day die. But also remember to live in the meantime. And a life not wasted, a life truly and completely lived, is one in surrender to the will of God through obedience to and belief in Christ. So what are some of your thoughts on life and death? Shoot me an email at CourageousTheology at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 304-460-8374. And who knows, maybe I'll read or play your comment on the air. That's all for today. Be sure to visit www.CourageousTheology.com for bi-weekly blog posts. I've decided to flip the format a little bit. Mondays will now be dedicated to sharing resources via our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And blog posts will now drop bi-weekly on Fridays. Ultimately, the decision just came because it makes more sense with my schedule. Also, stop on by the website and sign up for our mailing list. There will be goodies coming out to subscribers within the next few months, so be sure to get on it early. And for those of you who listened to last week's episode, you know there is an announcement being made today, so here goes. Over the last several months, I have been writing a book on overcoming depression and anxiety through the gospel, and it's titled Disquieted. The first goodie that will be coming out exclusively to our subscribers is going to be the first chapter of the book, which will be sent as a PDF through the email list in the second week of February. So if you're already a subscriber, be sure to watch out for that chapter coming soon. If you aren't a subscriber already, what are you waiting for? Go sign up for that mailing list today. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and CastBox. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Courage Theology, and Instagram at Courageous Theology. Also, be sure to head over to iTunes before you subscribe to leave us an honest five-star review and a nice comment. I really do truly appreciate any and all feedback. Until next time, fight for the faith and strive to be courageous in all things. Wadim. Good morning, good evening. Uh